Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What's going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. And this is our second remote stream ever. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jeremy's partying and, and living the life. And Yeah, can't you so. tell by my fancy ceiling lights? <laughs> you always know by the ceiling lights. That's all I'm saying. It's true. It is very true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am in North Carolina while Rob is sadly not. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's okay. We're here. We're here. We're super excited. I'm I'm trying to uh, figure out how to phone run everything because I don't have my laptop, so I'm doing everything on my phone. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but uh, I think I'm I think I'm getting there. So, all right, I think we're good. Okay, so Rob, who do we have tonight? Because it's gonna be friggin' sweet. It's gonna be really awesome. This guy wears many hats. He's been in the hobby for a long time, and he's doing some really Big things to really stir up the hobby right now. Tonight, we have got Ryan McVeigh from VivTech. I'm super, super pumped to have him Damn. on tonight. There he is. What's up, dude? What's up? Good, man. How are you guys doing? We are doing great, man. Partying. I'm still alive. Can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> Too old for that stuff now. I'm just boring. <laughs> <laughs> 3 a.m. and don't sleep for that reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these ceiling lights are really just here for show. So, <laughs> you took off before you said. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, Dude, how's, how's it going? Where how, I know that right now you're doing some big work. Like even as you're doing this right now, you got work stuff going on. So yeah. VivTech is just in the the like uh, you're just starting to show off what's going on. So, and I'm super pumped. I, I listened to a couple of the other podcasts that you uh, and Erica have done, just trying to get a feel for what's going on. So uh, for people who might not know who you are, uh, maybe a quick synopsis of what you're kind of built up to now, and then what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, okay. So let's see, we want to do an hour and a half podcast. That's one question you get. That's the only question. You get. <laughs> Perfect. Um, no, I like, I've been in the hobby for a long time. I was every little kid running around catching toads and garter snakes and all that stuff. And um, when I got into college, I actually went to school for engineering for architectural engineering. Um, and then worked at a pet store, uh, Hoffer's Tropic Life Pets in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was gigantic. Like we had a, an alligator pit and a tortoise pit. It was super cool. Um, and I worked there and that's where I actually like found the, the hobby and the hobbyists. And like that was in uh, 2007, 2008, so around then. So I had always kept reptiles. I'd always kept and done a lot of stuff with them. Um, but until then, I'd never really seen I lived in a tiny little town of like 300 people in the middle of nowhere. The reptiles I had were the ones I caught in my backyard. You know, like, like I said, garter snakes, decays, sal you know, tiger salamanders, whatever. So, so like that, that kind of was my thing. And then uh, I got into the hobby that way. And then I, I started doing education through that store and doing outreach and stuff. And then I really, really fell in love with that. Kind of found that my passion for reptiles is it's more of a passion to educate other people and get them excited about reptiles than I am for the, 
reptiles themselves almost. Anymore. <laughs> I still love them. Like they're still everywhere around me, but like that's something that always gets me excited is going out to an education. And from that's why after school, I graduated and moved to Madison. Um, I started the Madison area herpetological society in 2010. And uh, that's grown into three different branches in the state of Wisconsin and still growing. Even through COVID, we're still growing. That's um, awesome. Yeah, we I mean, we've moved to a really digital platform. We're doing a lot of live interviews and things like that to just keep people interacting. And um, yeah, so that's been really cool. And then in uh, 2015, I got the opportunity because of my work with in the reptile community and stuff to... Uh, I accepted a job with Central Garden and Pet as the marketing brand manager for Zilla. I kind of ran that brand of reptile products, and I did that for six years. And it was an awesome experience, and I learned a ton of stuff about the industry. I got to see it from – I've seen it from the hobbyist side. I've seen it from the nonprofit side. I've seen it from the rescue side. Now I got to see it from how some of these major retailers see it, how the big companies see it, how all of – how a product goes from an idea to being something you use in your house. All of that stuff. So, and, and really got to do some awesome stuff with Zilla and the team there. And um, and then this year, uh, me and, and Erica, my wife, have kind of been mulling over some different changes in life and where we wanted to go and what we wanted it to look like. And uh, took the opportunity. I actually stepped down from my position at Zilla as the brand manager. Um, and I still contract with them as a consultant. So I'm still working with them on some things and still uh, still talking to them. I still love the, the team there. And I think everybody's, I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, but for me, this was kind of a way to step away and do something else. And uh, all the major retailer, like the major pet companies, the product companies, Zoomed, Exoterra, Zilla, they're really aimed at that entry level. And they have to be because mm-hmm. like there's the higher up the up the level you get in experience, the smaller the group gets. So if you look yeah. at people who are focusing just on breeders, that's a big group of people when you're talking like a rack built like if i built racks here in outside of chicago like that would be good for me in the midwest i would be able to cover you know i can sell there i'm not going to sell forty thousand racks versus forty thousand aquariums and things like that so the the benefit of of they need those companies need to do those products that are in those in those stores to keep the volume they need in order to make it worth it for them to exist and to be yeah. able to do what they do. And that's why you don't see Zoom and, and like Exoterrazilla or whatever making racks or making crazy heat tape or anything like that is they don't have a place to go with it. And they don't have a, they don't have a really good way to access those people. Because, you know, once you get to that, that, that intermediate experience level, you kind of don't go to pet stores that much anymore. You're usually, yeah. you don't. I mean, you're, you're at shows, you're at... You're looking online, you're buying from other people, you're kind of figuring things out, and then you're not as much hitting up a Petco or PetSmart or whatever, unless you're there for something else and you happen to grab something, you know? So, yeah. And that's where there's a huge group of us that just kind of, we might know a good store we go to and get our thing once in a while, or we buy our stuff online and we kind of, you know, mix it up, but there's not ever really anybody that's really focused on that group, and that's kind of what we decided we wanted to do was we wanted to bring a lot of really cool technology to the hobby and get it into people's hands like the into the, the advanced keepers the breeders um the intermediate keepers and it's all stuff that an entry-level person if they're excited and they want to look into it absolutely can do but the, the intermediate and expert keepers are going to find more get more excited about it 
they're going to put more behind the technology. They're going to get more excited about the technology and we're all tinkerers. So this is a big thing for us. And then, uh, and then kind of let that, let all the knowledge of what me and Erica and the people working with us have put that into the products to make everybody successful, but they don't have to know why. And I think that's one of the big things. It's a big point for us is there's this mentality that we all get frustrated Oh, mom went, took her kid to Echo. They got a leopard gecko. They got a kid. They literally read nothing. They go home and it dies. And we all get frustrated and we all complain about everybody needs to educate themselves more. They need to do more research. Anybody, anybody seeing that changing? Because we keep yelling it louder. <laughs> not, nothing's yeah, happening. No. It's not. But but the the, meant, the thing is, we're looking at it wrong. So we're looking at it like these people should know better. But dude, if you go, if you don't know anything about cars and you go to AutoZone and you say hey like i just need a thing you expect that whatever they give you is all you need then you get home yeah. and realize you also need to know how to install it and what to do with it and you have no clue in your over your head and all that stuff and that's where people get lost they get scared in the hobby they walk away or they just go home thinking what they got is all they need but they right. don't understand the components that were put into those kits and why they were put in those kits so yeah. sand for a leopard gecko not a problem if it has a good humid hide and ingredients and all that other stuff. So even a bearded dragon, same thing, not a problem. If it's getting hydration and good nutrition and all mm -hmm. the other. So there's all of these components that aren't in there that they don't think about. So they go in, they kind of, in a way, they kind of go in thinking they're getting everything they need it. And they're leaving, missing massive portions of what they need. And they're failing. And what I'd like to see happen is you go in and you buy a box that has everything you need. And it's been... It's been created knowing that you're not going to go become some herp nerd. You're, you're not. You're, you're, these people yeah. expect that everything they need to know is in that box. So it's about time we start looking at it like, how can we get everything they need to know into that box without them having to know it? And that's kind of what we want to do with a lot of these products is put all of that knowledge that we all have in the industry, all have in the hobby, and put it into these products so that anybody can be successful with them. But they don't exactly have to know the specifics on the wavelengths of the bulbs and why it does what it does and how it does what it does. They just need to know you need this, go put it in there. And that's what you need. Yeah. So that's all. Awesome. That's yeah. That kind of seeing the world, seeing everything like that and starting to look at the hobby a little differently is kind of where, yeah, we decided to step up and, and created VivTech this year. And VivTech is our, our reptile products company. We're looking at, different technologies that exist in different parts of the of, of home improvement or other places and, and manufacturers around the world and just kind of seeing what cool stuff exists out there that we could kind of tweak and to make better for reptile keepers or use for reptile keepers. Um, and then the other part of it is because we're going to sell online through our website and then direct to independent retailers we're we're able to keep our costs way lower than everyone else because we aren't going through multiple step distribution we're not going through echo PetSmart's distribution and then these major retailers and their incredible margin requirements that they think they need and we're able to be a lot more like friendly with the pricing of this new technology by being able to go direct to people so that's, that's oh, yeah of, yeah that's kind of another that's how the world's going, but it's not how a lot of the industry is moving. They're very slow to stick to brick and mortar. And I'm totally for that. I love the independence. And that's why we're selling to, once we have wholesale stock, we're going to wholesale to the independents directly so that no one takes any more of the margin except them. So 
that way we can go right to them. They can make the most margin. And I want to work on the other things we're doing with this company is things like trying to help get the right information to the stores so that they can have better information for their customers, you know, and getting it to the point where like we can get these things in the hands of breeders, but also give them the knowledge they need in order to be the resource for other people and start to bring back that mom pop pet store being that place we all hung out at when we were kids and learned <laughs> instead of now just this mentality of pet stores and things just it doesn't have the depth it had being a breeder and being the person that cared for and bred these animals we get this like people get this like puppy mill idea out of breeders and this this whole stigma about breeding and reptile community in the industry and the toxic and blah 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 and it's it's just it's clouded with so much dirt that, that we just want to help use this to clean it up too and bring back the good name of people doing it the right way and help people improve to do it even better too because you know that we're, we're relying on big companies that are focused on the beginner to come out with innovations that allow us as expert level and intermediate level people to do bigger better things but they're not going to do that because it, they can't they can't bring this kind of technology at this price so they price themselves out of being able to do anything and then no one's there to pick up the slack. So hopefully this is an opportunity for really the the hobby to to take a big step forward and start giving a lot of opportunities for us to have some really cool technology to move our hobby forward and move our husbandry phenomenally forward because husbandry needs to be about 20 years ahead of where we're at. Yeah. The other day we were talking to um, Ozzy from Ozzy Boyd. And he was just mentioning how the hobby has got so much room for growth. And he, he was kind of talking about as far as like the breeding side of things and the way that people are keeping animals. But I think that also plays to the, uh, the way that we're doing products and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's a hundred percent like, like, so the three pillars for VivTech, just because it's me and Erica is, is innovation. It's gotta be innovative. We gotta start bringing, even when I was at with Zilla, Every single thing I worked on was how can we make it better? How can we do something better? How can we keep coming out with innovative new ideas, thinking about things differently? And that's a lot of what we released while I was there. And that's so innovation is a big one. The other one is husbandry. How are we driving husbandry forward? And not just lighting mm -hmm. or bedding or things like that, but even just the ideas behind husbandry that we have. Like, here's a thought for everybody. When you create, if you were to, even you guys, even me, like if we were to tell somebody this hit me four, five, six months ago, but if you were to tell somebody how to set up their leopard gecko, you'd tell them put in, you know, bark or whatever, and then do eyes and then do human hide over here. You know, you can maybe a dish with worms and calcium over here, a water bowl, basic setup. That's what we tell them. But if you think about it, a leopard gecko spends 90% of its time underground in a burrow because it's too hot out or it's hiding. And then mm -hmm. it comes out for 10% of its day to find food, to bask, to whatever. So we create a 20 long tank full of sticks and hides and all this stuff. And the human hide, which is really its den, is this big in the corner. <laughs> so 90% of where the animal spends its time is 10% of the cage. And 10% of where it spends its time is 90% of the cage. And that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. So just trying to bring some new aspects to that as well as is, is keeping those ideas and trying to come up with husbandry tools and decor pieces and things that allow us to actually create an habitat like that. 
That's I think, awesome. I think that's 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 perfect. Like that's exactly the way you need to go about it. But I, I think I, I want to circle back to something that you said before. We're like, you know, we're consistently getting more and more aggravated. Saying, well, these people should be researching and know what it is. And you're right. Nobody's really taken the time to be like, okay, but what can we do to make things more accessible to those first time keepers? And I, I think that's such a massive niche that has needed to be filled for many years. So I, I think, I think the stuff that you guys are going to be doing is, is just going to take right off because you're going to fill such a big void that we just we just like to bitch about but not do anything yeah. that, well, that's kind of the thing man like dude i'm in this we've been in the same boat like i don't know of a time where i've sat around with a bunch of rep, like guys like you guys or whatever at a show and just sat around with some breeders and friends that have been in it for years and not just gone what the hell how do we fix this? How do we do something? And yeah. everybody hates it, and it's the same thing everybody talks about. But then at the end of the day, we're like, I oh, don't know, we're just gonna have to cross our fingers and hope. And I'm like, that's <laughs> me and Eric are sick of it. We're just sick of hoping yeah. that things are gonna change and it's time for somebody to step up and do it. So there was no herb society in Wisconsin, so I stepped up and did it. There was no rescue in the Midwest for reptiles, so I stepped up and did it. And for this, we're just gonna step up and do it. That's what we do. But the other Hell thing yeah. too is like it's not even just that. Like the whole idea of starting this business, like, oh, we could be big all this money. Like, I don't really care. I, honestly, I'm probably, I, I doubt I will end up paying, even paying myself in the next five years. Like, Erica got a good job, so now I don't need to pay myself. We can live off. That's what's up. Whatever. I'll be your tri- I'm <laughs> She's the, uh, whatever. It's being, come on, bro. <laughs> but like, so yeah she's my she's the sugar mama so i'm like it's not just it's not bad at all like honestly the financial aspect of this has never even been part of our conversation it's all about like how can we make the hobby better how could we use this to um erica one of erica's big things is to stop gatekeeping where people are like the fact that i have to the way i explain uv you guys say you listen to some of the other podcasts and the one i'm explaining uv how many people are just blown away by what UV does, I read this in papers from 1940. Like, how is it that new? And it's that new because people aren't talking about it. People are, you get a lot of the old time herpers who are like, they don't need it. We bred them without it. You just, if you got anything, you throw a tube on it, it'll be fine, whatever. You know, you get this mentality so people never dig into it. And now one of the biggest and most important parts of keeping reptiles in captivity is something that most people don't think they need. And that's crazy. It's just because yeah. of the way people act and the gatekeeping and or like you get people who see a guy that hatches out like like bolins or something. And then you're like, dude, here's this group of people who are all trying to do that. What did you do? And they're like, it's it's my secret because I did I'm like, that's if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, you did nothing. You were no one and you did nothing. So like, true. That's true. it. Man. Like, did the I tell I tell people all the time the only reason that I have this much reptile knowledge is so that I can spread it to other people because it doesn't do me any good to sit in my head. Yep, I'm just saying, so, man. But yeah, I mean, so like, it's it's the community, it's building this, it's getting more education out there, changing the minds of people. But on top of it, and especially just because like this is something important to me and Erica, um, off the top of the, the the net profit at the end of the day. Every single bulb, every single thing we sell 
5% of the net profit gets donated to US Arc and US Arc Florida from every single item we sell, no matter where it is or when it is or on sale or not, it doesn't matter. Um, and then another 5% is being split between a, a list of conservation, uh, in situ wildlife conservation organizations. So, that's Turtle awesome. Preservation Group, Turtle Survival Alliance, Inter International Iguana Foundation, Herpetocultural uh, Conservation International. A lot of those guys doing stuff like that. Croc Fest with IUNC, uh, Croc Specialist Group, like all of those. And so when you come to our site and go to check out, it's actually going to ask you, hey, here's a list of 10 or 15 organizations, all with links so you can read about them or like a quick little pop-up that'll tell you a quick blurb about what they do. And then you can click which one you want your product donation to go to. And then the website will track all that, and then quarterly we'll cut checks for all those organizations. That's awesome. That's huge. That's really cool. Like I said, it's, it's all about getting everybody back together. Like, well, how how is it that me as a reptile keeper doesn't get along with this other guy who's a zoo guy, who doesn't get along with this other guy who's a veterinarian, who doesn't get along with this other guy that's a biologist? Like we're all reptile nerds, all of us, every single one of us. And there's no reason that all of that crap has to happen. And the amount of power and knowledge, not even just the, the power to move people and be able to do big things with the industry would be great. But just imagine the amount of knowledge that could start flowing if all of yeah. those minds actually just started talking. Like it's That's so true. I mean, it's unreal. Right? Yeah, no, it's so it's so true, man. And, and it, it, it's inter it's an interesting thing to talk about and think about, because I mean, I think about like back in the day when when ball pythons were like the thing. Nobody talked about what they were breeding. Nobody talked about what they were putting together because it was all like, you can't know how I'm going to make all of my money next year. Yep. You know, and now it's you got guys, you got the guys who are crushing it out there like Ozzy and Justin who are like, yeah, this is what I made. And here's how I made it. And I'm going to sell everything out. Out, you know so you guys can do the same thing that's that's something that 15 years ago you you would not see that happen like ever you know so it's uh it's it's a, a wonderful thought to be able to get that started in the rest of the community and I, and I hope it's a trend that continues to pick up because i mean you're right man what regardless of what facet of the industry you're in we're all reptile lovers we're all these weirdos that you know, have lizards and snakes and shit in our house, you know? <laughs> like, you know? This is cool for us. This isn't normal to other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all this kind of normal, which is yeah. kinda, like, <laughs> yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, no, and there's, there's just so many opportunities there. So that's what we're trying to work on too, is, is ways to improve the community, improve husbandry, give the reptile community a better name. Give back to conservation because I don't care who you are. You can't say it's like when we post those memes like you can't say you love animals if you don't love the scaly ones. You can't say you love reptiles if you don't give a crap about the ones in the wild. Like it's true. that's the way I look at it. And at some point, I want to still go see that crap. <laughs> so I'd like it if we all paid a little more attention and saved it so I yeah. can go see it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I want to go to South Island. See Savu pythons. I want to go. I want to go yes. catch super pythons in Lesser Sunda. You know, I, I before COVID hit, me and Erica were planning to, uh, this last November to go to the Solomon Islands and just sit in the jungle and watch spinulosis. I'm like, I just want to uh, sit there with a notebook and just watch them. That's all I want to do. I don't care if I have to yeah. anything and it's 110 degrees. I just want to watch them. Eight <laughs> bug crap. Yeah. <laughs> Dog hole. Like, 
but I want to go see what they do another day. How are they spending it so that I can recreate this better? So that I can take measurements when I'm there. I can look at the dirt and how they're, are they, uh, you know, everybody thought they're tree monitors. They're not at all. They're actually huge burrowers. So it's just, yeah, there's so much bad information because especially when we go and we're like, all right, this is cool new reptile. I found a picture of where it's from. And from the picture, there's trees and leaves. So I'm going to make it a tree leaf home. <laughs> that's, that's not, no, it lives in a crack this big. And then it goes from the top of the rock to bask. Then it goes to the side of the rock and eats a bug. Right. Yeah. It eats something and goes under the rock. Like, yeah. <laughs> those are violently different than the one you're looking at in this giant picture. You yeah, know? I do. And, and I think that one of the things that uh, people don't really take into consideration is it's just those like small tweaks that you can make that can make this huge, huge difference and like shift in how we do things. Because when you're mentioning how you want to take, you know, was a percentage of your profits and donate it to conservation, it's, it's little things like that can, that can really set the precedent. Like um, ship your reptiles made it so that when you're checking out, they've got that automatically checked $1 extra. You're not going to notice that extra dollar is going straight straight to USR to help save your rights to keep reptiles. And most people, you know, they would say, oh, yeah, I love USR. I want to support them, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they're maybe not donating or they're not thinking to donate or they let their membership expire or something like that. But just yeah. that one little dollar, they've generated so much extra money for USR just from that little bit that people don't even take into consideration. And when you talk about, you know, take a little bit of that profit that you're making and already designate it for that purpose, it can make this huge, huge change um, in bettering not just like the products and the way that people keep things, but also the animals conservation in the wild and these organizations that need our support going forward to help save a lot of these species that we love. Cause a lot of people don't think about that sort of stuff. Like crested geckos are huge. And uh, you know, if people were not, you know, breeding them or whatever, they'd be gone. Like a lot of that stuff would just be gone and it's going to happen to species that people care about right now, but they're not thinking about that. They're just thinking, Oh, I want to get one of these things or, Oh, it's going to get shut down for export. It's like, how about we save where they come from so that there's not this like looming probability that extinction is coming and people are causing it. Or the shutoff, like the quota just goes to zero and guess what? Zero and that's it. Yep. And then we're done. Yeah, and it's after crazy. that stuff, dude, electric blue day geckos. That is that has got to be the poster child for everybody, including myself, going, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. But they're 20 bucks. I'll grab some after I get this stuff organized or I'm doing these other projects. And then Whoops. they just turn off. And it's like, mm -hmm. now they're, they're 400? Well, it's a what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crap. Crap. <laughs> no. And then there weren't many in captivity, and only certain people were working with them, and they just – like, that was a huge nightmare. Paradora androansis, same thing. Dude, those used mm -hmm. to be, again, $10 gecko wholesale. Mm -hmm. And then they just disappeared, and they were 200 apiece, and everybody's like, Jesus, you know? Yeah. All the Europlatus, I mean, it's happening all the time. So, like, yeah. Yep. That's the other thing, too. Like, so the our pillars, again, like, innovation, husbandry, and conservation. But conservation is not just wildlife conservation. It's conservation of our hobby. Conservation of mm -hmm. the species that exist available within our hobby conservation of wildlife so and, and conservation of energy things like trying to be as green as we can it's it's, it's an overall 
attempts to be better when it comes to all of those pieces and to conserve all of those pieces of things that are important to us. Because <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, I know everybody's waiting for somebody to fix the hobby and everybody's waiting for someone to make the next cool thing. Everybody's also waiting for everybody to stop, like, to fix everything when it comes to all the fighting and all the US arc and all the fights. Like, guys, you got to do something. Some Everybody has to do something. But it doesn't have to be a lot. And that's why we kind of built this into the foundation of the business is it's easier to get people to donate when it's just hey you're buying this and you're paying this price no matter what and i'm going to do the donation for you here's something cool that you want i'm going to do the donation for you we're going to take we're going to make less profit and i'm okay with that we're donating it ourselves just because you bought our bulbs you know and that's just a way for people to get more involved and hopefully over time that continues to sink in a little bit more like you actually like we'll donate for you but you could do it. Like you could, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. just get more of that information out there and get people more alert of what's going on around them. Because that's the thing, like, and that's the other thing, like the husbandry piece. It is, we have to be better. We have to drive it. For, we need to drive the hobby forward. We need to drive the husbandry forward, and we need to get ahead of all the crap going on right now, like the reports coming out on whether racks are good for snakes or not. And guess what? They're not, and they don't look good on any keepers who keep racks. And and there's problems with these studies and things like that, like there is on a lot of them, but it still came out and it's still going to be interpreted by whoever wants to interpret it. And guess what, guys, it's not going to be with people who love snakes and racks that are going to be the ones that want to interpret it and use it for something. So, like, we have to continue to work to do better and find better ways to do this stuff, to find better ways to improve the care of the animals and, and understand their emotion, and understand, like, not, their, not exactly emotional, but kind of understanding their their behaviors, their natural behaviors, what makes a difference. So, like, how we can enrich their lives while we're keeping them. It, 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 we've got to get a better mentality about this a little bit. And and it doesn't need to happen overall. It, I mean, it should. But I do think that as a hobby, we also kind of need to break apart who we're talking about too. Because there's very different levels of experts or breeder or whatever. You have guys like, like Nerd, where you have racks of animals meant to be bred for the production of producing animals. It's... In a, not in a negative way, but it's a farm. It's it's a it's a it's an animal production facility. So those animals aren't pets. They're they're not a small collection. It is a production facility for animals, which is needed. And as long as those animals are given and like what they need and they're not being neglected, that's fine. But I wouldn't put the same conditions on them for for care or for husbandry or for like what kind of enclosures they you got they, they use there. I wouldn't put that the same as I would like. Okay, you're gonna keep six animals i'd hold you as your six animals to a higher standard of care because you have six and they're your pets and even if they're just a breeding project they're still more than just a farm really you know what i mean they're more yeah. than that so you should treat them more than that so i right. think like we kind of got to break it apart too i think we need to stop looking at the big facilities as examples of what we should get to. it kind of gets to the point where like the big breeders get put on a pedestal if that's where everybody wants to get to, but nobody ever really ends up getting there. And then they kind of just, it ends up being a way to cut out a lot of husbandry and just keep a lot of stuff without having to do as much. And, and I think it needs to be, we need to change it around. Like when it comes to the hobby side of it, I want to see the guy that has a four, three foot by three foot by eight foot tall enclosure for his annul. Like that's what I see. Or the dude that's got the 45 year old box turtle. That guy. I want to talk to that guy because that's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
like the newest morph and things like that. That's all cool. And I hope everybody keeps chasing morphs and loving all the reptiles that are out there. But the biggest collection shouldn't be the thing that makes you who you are. It should be your ability to care for, understand, and add value to the hobby through or even to into your animals' lives through your husbandry. Yeah, I, I think that there's a huge shift going on with that right now, too, because um, as people are starting to get uh, more involved with reptiles, like at a greater level, like it's not just some niche thing that some weirdo does, you know, oh, it's just the people who are tattooed and pierced and listen to metal and all that sort of stuff. It's not just those people anymore that keep reptiles. It's yeah, it's not yeah. just me. There's way more people than me. I don't know what's going on. Everyone just showed up, and I'm like, "What? The- oh, oh, now it's cool. Okay, I see how it." But what I'm saying, like, there's so many more people who are getting into it now, and I've seen this like huge shift. Not even of just like when I go and do programs and stuff. When I get people who come here, of not people. I don't see as many people who are like, "I just want to have you know five thousand snakes." I see a lot of people now who are just like. I want to have some really nice display cages in my house. I really want to have like a slice of the jungle or the slice of the desert. I want something where I can appreciate this animal in its enclosure and just have a couple animals that I really, really love. And I see this like huge shift over to people doing that. There's still people who want to have, you know, a decent sized collection. and want to produce a bunch of snakes and, you know, that's whatever. But I see way less of that nowadays than I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah. I think what well, happened is that, like the hobby started getting like, more investor and got more mainstream. Leopard geckos, corn snakes pushed that and that way. Ball pythons were 25, 30, 50, 100 grand for a snake. That was it. That was what pushed it over the edge. Yeah. And then everybody wanted to be investors and do this whole big thing. And then they got into racks and walls of just walls of tubs. And then after a while, like if you remember for a while that you love reptiles, looking at walls of gray drawers is not as fun as like this and watching them move and interact and i think everybody slowly kind of started going back the other way where yeah Mm -hmm. more natural more bioactive more things like that we want to get more into their habitat and that's kind of that was another kind of piece of me and eric talking being like all of these things we want to do all of these uh like like ethics and goals that we have that we want to see the hobby and these what we want to see it do it's all kind of falling into place in a really good time right now to continue mm-hmm. to keep pushing that forward and start feeding that so like we'll talk about some of the products but like there's additional uv extra uva in some of our bulbs because it increases serotonin development in their brains and their natural behaviors and things like that like we're thinking about that stuff not just here's a bulb you need but here's Here's some extra pieces. Your animal's going to live better, and here's why. And I think we're at a point now where people are more receptive to that. Because we've actually, even on our social media, had people put, I can't wait to get this for my snake. And it's like, 10 years ago, I couldn't have put a gun to your head and made you get a UV bulb for your snake. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah even for real. Literal studies that were still done at that time still wouldn't have happened. But yeah. now, I think people are more open to it. And I think that now is the time to really start feeding that niche and feeding that that excitement with mm-hmm. a, a direction. Cause right now I think there's a big push for that, but everybody's kind of like, I see more people building their own enclosures, which is awesome. But again, we're getting to a point where everything's kind of all over and we're starting to have to make our own stuff. And that to me just says that there's it's time for, it's time for something. something <clears throat> yeah. I think one of the things that pushes it to uh, like, you know, Rob, Rob and I've talked about it a few times on the podcast is like as social media has developed, 
and we see these new trends. You know, I mean, think about what 12 years ago, the biggest person on social media was Brian Barczyk, you know, and it was the first it was the first time we were ever allowed access into a reptile breeding facility that was that size. You know, so that's what that was what was like, oh, my God, that's the pinnacle, you know, and then other guys started to jump along. But it was still always like the larger scale breeders that were in their big facilities showing off the coolest, you know, usually ball pythons. Um, And that was that was it, you know, and then as more people started to figure out, oh, hey, I have a camera, too. I can make stupid YouTube videos. Uh, It was look at my racks that I built and I have this spare bedroom that's now got 400 snakes that I'm trying to maintain while having a full time job and trying to live a life, you know, and now that more people have jumped onto it, I mean, what we can do with our phones now is absolutely ridiculous. You know, filming 4K on your phone, you know, so you can be like, hey, take a look at this tank that I just built out for my poison dart frogs. And let me show you the progression of its grow out over the last six months, you know, and that's starting to gain that that popularity, you know. So I, I think that's really been a, a, a big shift in that way of thinking as well. It's, it's one that I'm excited about. Like, I love seeing that. I love seeing people do that. And more so just because we, we're starting to, people are starting to look at reptiles a little bit more like, there's more we can do. That's the cool thing with reptiles. And that's the thing I think people miss out on. Like, one, everybody stops saying reptiles are easier to eat than everything else. It is true, but it gives people this idea that, like, they're easy. They're whatever, yeah. rock that you do nothing to. <laughs> like, there's a rescue in our house. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not easy. They're, they're easier to take care of in the fact that they poop inside a box and they don't, they live inside a box and you don't have to walk them or do anything. That's how they're easy. But other than yeah. that, they're a lot more complicated. You have to, if you can get the time to put in, to understand where they come from and how they live and you can to create a habitat to match, to really like, accentuate those pieces of their life they need like their hiding spot you know their human hide all that stuff great caves whatever if you really do that well then they're super easy once you have that done it's like dart frogs i tell people all the time people freak out about dart frogs they're way too hard to keep it's like the saltwater aquarium way too hard like it's not too hard you just have to get it set upright and once you set it upright you do nothing like yeah yeah 32 bio cube and people are like oh my god it's insane dude it's just wall-to-wall coral I think I changed the water once last year. Like, <laughs> the worst. Like, I feed my fish when I walk past it, and I'm like, oh, you look like you're going to die. You should have food. Like, <laughs> and, and like, but the more I would pay attention and, like, nitpick and clean and do water changes. The worse it would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. But if you let it get set up, same thing with reptiles. If you, or like a tar frog trailer. If you plan it out and you let it get built and you let it set up, like, the whole thing's done. All the work's done. Now you're just going to put a frog in there and flick some flies in it once in a while. Like, it's yeah. the easiest thing ever to do after you get to that step. Yeah. Part of yeah. It, it takes knowledge and research, and it takes a lot for you to trial and error and things like that. And that's kind of where, like, that's where I feel like the need is. I want to take, I want to find ways to pull the trial and error that someone coming into the hobby would have, why they can't do that. Why someone who just decided they want to keep a reptile you can't have a tank that's like a 55 gallon built out enclosure. I mean, they can if they spend the next six months reading every Dendro board forum on building a tank and you know, they practice a lot. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot. 
No, but like, or but just all of that. How can we? How can we start to make that how you enter the hobby? And and just that's I'm always thinking that I'm always trying to figure out like how can we do that? How can I make yeah. it where like here's your kit and your kit is a freaking rainforest in a box like it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Not, here's a piece of plastic that they'll drink water out of and here's a rock. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think that um the uh right like you were mentioning earlier this is right about that time where we're t we talk about like uh a paradigm shifts and and shifts in the ways that people view things i think that right now is like is a key moment in the reptile hobby the last year in particular with covid and the amount of people have had time to spend time at their home and maybe look up a, oh, I want to get a pet. Oh, look, a reptile's easier to take care of than a lot of these other things. And then maybe getting their first reptile and then sitting with it for a little bit and then really getting to look at YouTube videos and look at maybe boards or groups on Facebook or a little bit of this. There are so many people that have gotten into reptiles over the last year. It is obscene. Like, uh, like it's just, it blows my mind how many people have gotten into reptiles in the last year. And one of the things that I think about, like having worked in a pet store and, and worked with getting people their first reptile and doing a lot of this sort of stuff is some of the reptiles that like people are talking about, like, oh my God, these are like the best beginner reptile. I think about them and I'm like, they're not that easy. Like bearded dragons are the one that like pops yeah. right into the front of my mind. People are like, oh, it's the best first reptile. And, and I'm like, like no. they are so much work, man. There's so much work. If you are not prepared to really devote some time and space and research into money. setting that animal up. And money, exactly. It's expensive. Once you get it set up, maybe then you can kind of roll it back. But even then, just feeding them all the time, like people go crazy about their feeding schedule and you know all this and – I think that like it's about time. Like I was listening to you talk about the light, the lights that you guys are working on, and uh, you know your your longevity of the lights and the different gradients of stuff that you would have for basking stuff, stuff that's spending all its time out in the sun all the time, and stuff that's in shaded areas and all that sort of stuff. And I think that that can really help out those people who are you know wanting to get that first reptile maybe they got pushed into something they're not quite ready for but just cutting that one little thing out and having a little bit of that more information that you can get yep. from your products i think that that's going to be huge yeah and that's kind of erica's doing a really cool job of coming up and so is uh, uh our our other um somebody else is working with us justine labello like the two of them are awesome and they're going back and forth and creating these informational charts and diagrams like we're not letting that, out yeah. a lot of stuff right now but there's an enormous amount of stuff that even for like pet stores easy stuff for you to hand out and educate people what is uv lighting like knock down the gates here's abc here's what it is what it does here's the studies mm -hmm. on it if you want like we're we read all the studies and then we're going to summarize them for you in blogs on the website eventually like, but, <laughs> but like having all that information there, here's why we think this, here's why, here's the research behind we're telling you what we're doing, you know, not just, I'm, I'm done. Like, Hey, why do, why do, why does, why do, why are our UV bulbs? Why do they give the output they do? I didn't, mm -hmm. I read every article I could on UV. I've read bulbs from the last 75 years in other languages on UV. And like, I can't find anything that says why the bulbs that we use give off what they do other than like 
we my, my only guess is that like in the early 90s like before gary came out with them in 93 94 like there just was a room of like here's here these give off this much this much this much and it just kept going up and then you looked at the edges and you're like well those guys died and those guys died so go in the middle like, that's probably <laughs> what it was you know, so, like trying to look at some of that kind of stuff I'm like we just we need to look at better like i have friends in australia that i'm talking to and i'm like look go find me a beardy i know you're in the range i know you know where they are and i want you to sit outside with an umbrella and just stare at it and just watch it and i want you to take a reading <laughs> and then look at it and then tell me when they went how long he was basking and i want to know in a 12 in a 24-hour period how much time does a bearded dragon sit out in the sun and while he's out mm -hmm. in the sun what kind of uv is he getting and if I extrapolate that to microwatts per cubic square centimeter per hour, and then spread that out over a 12-hour period, can I get a better idea of what kind of UV they need? Like, what it yeah. should be like all the time? Or can we create better bulbs that will allow them to get the intensity that they need but move away from it so they can be more natural in the way that they act? Things like that. Like, there's so many pieces that we just need to do more on. And, we, and, and, and then explain. Once we know it, once we do it, getting that information out there so other people understand why it's like that, you know, and that's yeah, the informational gaps in the gatekeeping is what kills us. So like, that's a big thing you'll see with VivTech is it's going to be very transparent. Actually at the booth at Schomburg, I'm bringing a Erica's dad's building me a display where you can plug in our bulb and any, and one of our bulbs, one of zoom, you can put in a mercury vapor, whatever you want. I'll have a table full of solar meters and everybody can just sit there and test anything they want. They can bring over a ZoomEd bulb, an Exoterra, you know, whatever, and they can do it right there in front of us. So, like, if if it's not as good, like, you're gonna look in the now. And yeah. Like, what's great and what's not, and why why you would want this or that, and start to educate people about you know UV and stuff like that. But yeah, we're definitely you guys can people can test it. They can we're putting everything that we're doing. We're trying to make very transparent. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I think about is like uh, for a lot of the desert species, people are like, oh, well, it needs to have like this really crazy basking spot. It's got to have UV on it 24 hours or, you know, at least 12 hours a day and all this sort of stuff. But one of the things that I was thinking about is like when I went to Utah last month, we were looking at desert tortoises and we're in this area where you can spot them pretty regularly. So as the more we went out in the morning and we're hiking for maybe two hours. Um, and in the morning when it's, you know, the sun is just coming up and everybody's just heating up, you'd see the animals out and I brought a temp gun with me and I'm just temp gunning the animals and then the ground around them to see yep. where they're at and their body temps at on the surface and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then what the ground is in the areas where they're at. And in the morning while they're heating up, you know, the ground is sitting at like 95, hundred degrees and the, their bodies would be down. Like, I think the lowest one temp gun was like 82 and it was just starting to heat up. And then as we got into the heat of the day, I stopped finding them out in the open. I start seeing them in the shade of these bushes yep. and I'm temp gunning their bodies. Their bodies are at like 89, 90 degrees. The shade is at like 78 degrees. And then the sand next to the shade where the sun is, is at like 120 degrees. Yep. And people are just going, oh, well, he's sitting out in the sun. It's the middle of the day. He's going to be in the sun. And it's like, no, a lot of these animals take cover during the middle of the day. But if you told someone, hey, look, turn your UV bulb off for a couple hours during the middle of the day, just give them, you know, the option to go in and out or, or have a focused area where they can get their UV and then move away from it if they want to. People are just like, no, I read on the Bearded Dragon board on Facebook that they need a UV bulb. And you're, they go crazy. I've had people argue with me about the UV bulbs, and I'm like, you know that I know how they're made, right? Like, I'm telling no. you. Doesn't matter. 
Doesn't <laughs> matter. You're still wrong. I'm wrong. And I'm yeah. like, well. Yeah, still wrong. <laughs> like, it's wild. <laughs> like, I completely agree. That's actually why none of our stuff is labeled as desert or tropical. That is my biggest pet peeve in this damn industry is everything is desert or tropical. And on the front of a desert box is the damn dunes of the Sahara. And on the desert <laughs> box is the bottom two feet of the Amazon rainforest. And you know, the problem with that is, is there's a crap load of habitats in between that. Yeah. Legit. So we're just yeah. like, hey, this is for one, this is for one of the 500,000 animals that live in the desert. Because there's like four <laughs> reptiles that live on sand dunes. Like, and then, so... Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So that's why, like, me and Erica have always hated that. And that's why we went with different names for stuff. So, like, the the one that people would consider or call it desert, which would just be your high output UV bulb, is going to be, is called Midday Blaze. And that's, here, I don't want to talk about it. But, like, so that's Midday Blaze. But, like, on the front of it, that's not a desert species. That's one of the highest UV needing animals that we keep in captivity, Cyclura. Cyclura don't mm -hmm. live in the desert. They live on white sand beaches in the Caribbean at the That's equator great. on white reflective sand they take more uv beating than any other animal but they don't live in the desert so i'm sick of calling it a desert so that's your midday basking animals the animals that sit out on a rock in the sun at noon in the middle of the day at two o'clock and just cook your your mastics your seclera your dragons um even like collared lizards and stuff like that you know uh -huh. all the time in the heat um and then yeah so there's a bunch of animals like that and then the second one is jungle cover and that's going to be for any animal that would see cover anything whether it be leaf cover from a forest uh whether it be jungle animals tropical kind of species or whether it be like the grasslands of kansas and a box turtle like that's a, another great one that's hiding down in the grass still getting a lot of uv but it's fractured yep. this is for that kind of animal and then the last one is the one i think is gonna be the hardest to get the hobby to actually uh -huh. what's it called it's called First Call, not Morning Call. Well, no, because we've been talking a lot, too, about Rapashi. And so we were talking about Rapashi and we were talking about Morning Wood. Because we we're all joking about being able to yeah. name these literally whatever I want. And we, so we were talking about that. And now I can't I get First Call. And I keep mixing up Morning Call, Morning Wood, First Call. Morning Wood, yeah. First Wood, <laughs> whatever, <you know. laughs> That's a big move. I'm just saying, you go with that one. That's a big move. That's a power move. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just call the high bulb like eight pound dong and just smack it on the ground. <laughs> 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 if you want to play, we're mixing it up here, that's man. A, that's we're, a we're strong ready. no from the PR department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard that? Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is one of the most iconic sounds in pediculture is my wife screaming my name at a high pitch. <laughs> That's what they're going to be. I'm going to be remembered for one day. They're going to be like, did you hear that clip of his of Erica going, Ryan, Ryan in the background, NARBC. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be in every, it's going to be in every uh, Sounds of the Rainforest CD put out yep. from now on. <laughs> As you're laying down, getting comfortable. I get it. I know who I am. <laughs> no, but like with the last one here is first call. That one's going to, I think, be our hardest sell, but it's low UV output. It's got double the UVA output um, as the, like the high end uh, midday blaze one. And it's got double the plant lights. So 
more for planted tanks for frogs, amphibians, a lot of the crepuscular species, geckos, things like that. It's really low output UVB, but they can get, it's such a nice, like, focused spot. They can easily get away from it and get closer to it. They can regulate with it. Um, and that's one thing, too, I don't think most people realize is, like, a lot of lizards, any lizard you see that has that little spot in the top of their head, the parietal eye, there's a, for anyone that doesn't know, there's an actual eyeball on the top of their head. It just doesn't have a lens, so it can't, like, focus. But there's a cornea and an eyeball on the top of their brain, and it sees the light coming through that parietal eye and that clear scale. So they actually can regulate their UVA and UVB using that. And that's something that we didn't know. We used to think that was for predation. So like if a hawk flew over in the shadow, they'd know. They've proven that that's not because of that. And they actually use that and use UVA to actually find basking spots. They actually don't use heat to find basking spots. They see they use UV. So like that's, that's something super cool. And like these have a lot of UV because a lot of UVA and things like that because that has a lot to do with how these animals see their environment and react to it. Like not having UV on an animal's enclosure is like making them permanently colorblind. Mm. That's wild. That's so crazy. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, that's what some of these what we were trying to do with the, like the different levels give a lot of opportunities for different animals. Um, but the LEDs, I'm just I'm so I've been wishing and hoping that these existed for like six eight years no probably 12 years you know mm -hmm. and i've watched them and uvb diodes have been insanely expensive for a mm -hmm. very long yep. time um, yeah and getting the opportunity to work with some of these to actually bring led uvb true uv led um bulbs to the market has been pretty awesome i mean three watts they last up to four years so ours are wow. going to be guaranteed for two years so if your bulb burns out under years we'll replace it um and wow. then yeah and then so and then it like there's three watts in the the midday blaze projects uv 30 inches wow that's awesome damn and, and they're actually dimmable as well so if you wanted to put them on a ramp to ramp up in the day and then down so you could peak your uv you can put them on a dimmer as well that's what? super cool yeah, so you that, I didn't cool. know that. You can That's put awesome. It on your stat, and then you could set it to dimming mode, and you could have it do a warm up and a cool down throughout the day. That is so freaking cool. Damn. So it's just it's going to awesome. allow us to do so much. And right now these are just so like I showed you the box is little, but it's not little. It's mighty. It's <laughs> Erica says it's not little. <laughs> it's mighty. <laughs> mighty box. <laughs> She says big things come in small packages. That's because she's seen me undress. Uh, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I can say those things because I know it's a lie, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> but no, so those oh, three cool. gold ones in the center, that's your UVB. The mm -hmm, yellow yep. one is your 6500K plant light. And then on the other side is UVA. Oh, wow. So that's it. And this is where am I at? that big. Wow. That is crazy. No. So, I mean, it's – and the outside is – it's an aluminum casing. So, it's made like this to, to help pull the heat away from the bulb to be a heat sink. But it also makes them incredibly durable. There's actually quartz on the front of this. There's a quartz glass. Um, so, quartz glass doesn't have any effect on filtering UV at all. Um, so, there's no UV filter through there. But it will keep it from getting wet. It will keep it – you can spray it. You can do whatever. It's going to be fine. That, that is awesome. really cool. Yeah, I love that. The only weakness that the UVB, the UV bulb or the uh, LED bulbs have, 
And this is all LEDs that exist right now. So until they fix this problem, I don't have much of an answer for anyone. Um, but if they get hotter than 90 degrees for an extended period of time, they can start to like burn out a little early. Usually you're good up to like 100, 105. But if you put it like in a dual dome with a metal halide, like it, it's probably going to burn out in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, like, and it, so like that, like the warranty is like, you know, if you don't start it on fire, then we'll warrant yeah, it. We'll replace <laughs> it. And it stops working after a day. Like I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but that's all LED, all LEDs. It's not just ours. That's just LEDs in general. And that's kind of what kept LED from entering the reptile market was because of the heat restrictions. But at the same time, how many times is that is that is that bulb going to ever be that hot? Yeah. Even if you hang it in the enclosure, there's no enclosures you keep regularly at 90 degrees. And it's yeah. not going to be sitting in the basking spot. So I just, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue, but it'll be something to make sure we call out. But, um, but no, I mean, to me, it's just, we've got, we're, we're doing uh, accelerated testing, um, lifespan testing and over the ones that are at like one and a half to two years. Um, and we have all the data for long-term testing, but we're doing more every single time we get a, a production run. We're putting, we're pulling samples and putting them on test just to make sure. Um, and we're at like, we're estimating that and based on the, the data we have already, four years of a of life, four years without having to change it. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That I really mean, is honestly, amazing. The bulbs might burn out before the UV needs to be replaced. Wow. That's sheesh. That's awesome. Yeah. That really is yeah. awesome. Because I mean, anybody that uses any sort of light knows the worst part is when that bulb burns out or when you're like, Oh, six months has passed. Guess who's got to drop another 80 bucks. <laughs> the other thing too, that's the other thing that kills me. And this Eric will push this because it's kind of, we look at things very differently. Um, and, and that's kind of what makes us this really, a really cool team to me is because I'm a very big picture guy, but I'll sometimes miss the little steps and she's very detail oriented, but she doesn't always see the trees, the forest between, between you know, through the trees. So complement each other complement each other really well and then for me i come from a natural history like husbandry side and she comes from the veterinary husband so she's looking at things like i look at there's a problem here's a solution she looks at it and says here's a problem what's causing it can we stop the cause so we're kind of mm -hmm. looking at it from different angles and it allows us to come up with some unique things. And one of the things she brought up is that like, we can put out all these cool UV bulbs, but most people don't even have a way to measure their UV bulbs and or no. Like you replace it at six to 12 months because the manufacturer said so, but you don't know if it's still good. You don't know if it was good when you took it out. You just assume it was. And if your animal's not dead in 12 months or you don't have to go to the vet, you hope that it was a good bulb. That's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> the one thing that's absolutely keeping our animals alive, we're just like, I trust them. Because <laughs> really? I know some, they're, they're, like, there's definitely one of the major companies that's not not Zilla, um, one of the other two, and it also doesn't start with a Z. But it, <laughs> their bulbs actually don't produce enough UV for your animals to use. So people, I know Erica saw that within the clinic. People coming in using those bulbs, changing them every six months, and having that written down in a little, little log and. Still having metabolic bone disease and, and hypercal hypocalcemia because they didn't produce enough UV in the first place. So wow. in order to kind of combat that, because it's a lot to ask every single pet keeper to buy a $250 to $500 meter, we found a meter that we're going to release that is, there we go. So SureSun UVB reader. So it's a, it's a UVB meter. 
it's half the price of a solar meter, so it's hopefully a lot more people have access to be able to start tracking their bulbs, checking it. You know, I mean, even look, even with ours, like it's gonna last four years, but still check it. Um, and then yeah. with a lock, Eric has actually created a lock, so you can write down like the brand of the bulb, what it is, the date you checked it, the distance you checked it at, what the reading was, and then a formula that says basically at seventy at a thirty percent reduction, replace the bulb probably replace it with one of ours because then you don't have to do that again for four years <laughs> but uh and then on top of it anybody who takes that log when they're done with it whether it's our bulbs or not if they filled that log out for their their bulb um they can send it in and we're going to have exclusive swag for people who do that um so like truly really like it's not like you go and some pet stores will have the t-shirts that were the swag giveaway for something else like this will be <laughs> just for people who are interested in allowing us to um, use their data to improve what we're doing to help improve the hobby. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think it's Absolutely. a cool way to give back. Like, I think that's awesome. If I, all the readings and stuff, Heck take, yeah. the notes we take, like it's all just sitting in notebooks around our house. Well, what if you could send it somewhere or shoot, even take a picture on your phone and send it off quick and a message. And then all of a sudden that's being used for something bigger and better. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think that's a great way to, to give back and, and get people also motivated to do it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get yeah. free stuff for checking on your animals and keeping them healthier anyway. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> with that. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. That's the thing, man. That's, that's one thing that kills me with the hobby and seeing stuff lately is we've gotten a lot. Cancel culture has happened a lot in the last couple of years, this attacking each other. And it's gotten a lot of like, just, I don't know. It's just gotten where it's all negative. And there's so much awesome stuff that just needs to come out and be shown. And there's so many, I don't know. I just, there's so much opportunity to make this hobby amazing and can continue to grow it in a way that the people that I see leading it sometimes aren't thinking like that. They're thinking about, doing the best they can for the now and what they can do to get ahead now. And nobody's really watching the future and where we're going. We're just kind of, we're all running and hoping we're going in the same direction. And unfortunately, like, as you guys know, you see the hobby, we're not, we're all over the place. And yeah, this is, like I said, again, this just continues to reinforce that opportunity for us to like, hopefully get people in line in the same direction. And I, you can't, just tell everybody, hey, you're doing it wrong. I don't like how you do it. You're wrong. You need to fix everything. All of this, if you're not a US ARC member, you shouldn't be allowed to do anything. Or if you don't do, if you're not, if you breed spider ball pythons, you're bad. It's all the same stuff. But really what it should be is I don't I don't care what anybody like I do. Like please don't like beat up kids and put it on YouTube. But otherwise I like I don't care what you do. Unless they deserve it. <laughs> but like we really should it really should be I was going with that man I had it and then I lost it but no like it, it just it, we, we need we don't need to badger people into supporting the hobby and, and growing we need to inspire people to grow and do that and that's that's what we're trying to do that's the bigger piece of another bigger piece of like just all of this is if we do better and we provide the technology and the equipment to help everybody else reach the goals to be better than they want then we can influence people to move forward into and get them to where they they they're excited to get their hot you know become that's the word i'm looking for i want people to, like the people that are really doing well to be the people who are looked up to 
and that we're all yeah. constantly trying to get better. And this is just a way to keep, again, keep doing that, keep putting that stuff out there, giving these people the tools they need, and then inspiring them by showing them what you can do with it. Like, I can't badger somebody to do better. I'm never going to, I'm never going to get a Facebook group and argue someone into doing better with their animal. I can continuously post really cool pictures of my planted tanks, all the different stuff me and Erica are doing with hand taming our animals and trying to do do uh, more enrichment and things like that and get people to be like, that's really cool. Maybe I could do that. And that's what you can do. That's how you can influence people. You be a leader and you influence people by being something that, by showing them something that they want to achieve and then being the person that they want to follow to get there and giving them the information they need to follow in your footsteps and grow that way. You can't badger them into being better people. True. Yeah. Very, very true. <clears throat> That's awesome. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm super, super excited. I'm not going to lie. I've been watching this as you've been dropping little, uh, you know, little things that you've been doing and, and listening to the different podcasts that you've been doing. I'm really excited. And then you're premiering stuff at Schaumburg, right? Yep. Yep. So at Schaumburg on the 19th is when we uh, actually are going live with our website and with sales. And the company is, that's it. That's our debut. So I'm not at all freaking the hell out lately I'm totally <laughs> <laughs> but no we're uh i mean that's why there's people at, at my kitchen counter putting stickers on things and checking and they're measuring all the bulbs and every single one that came in is getting measured and and checked and verified that everything's within spec and yeah but um not we're so we're premiering on the 19th that's when we're launching is at narbc in schaumburg um so and then we're going to launch the website on the 19th as well. But orders won't open up until whatever's left from Schaumburg on Monday morning. So whatever stock we're left with, which honestly might not be any, and I'm sorry if that's the case. But, but I, I mean, I'm not sorry. I'll be really happy that the first weekend we have went that well. Yeah. But at the same time, I'll still kind of feel that everybody's got to wait for me to get more stock in. Um, that'll come in in a couple of weeks, but the website will be updated very often. The Facebook, social media, all that stuff will be updated often. Um, for anybody that does get to come to Schaumburg, a couple other things we're doing. We're giving away free snake bags. Yeah. Hey. Like, really yeah. nice ones, heavy. Like, this is like the bag your girl's like Gucci purse comes in. Like that really nice bag. Um, and then Erica, so we wanted to do nicer bags. So we have, this is Gen 1, and then I got them, and then I was like, we can make better ones. No, that's Gen 2. This is Gen 2. So Gen 3 is coming, and we're like, all right, we have a lot of bags coming. We're just going to give away Gen 2. <laughs> and when the other ones get here, we'll sell those. So, um, no, so we're just going to give them away. And it's they're just a cool, heavy-duty snake bag. And then Erica came up with something that I'm pretty, I kind of think is cool. I wasn't on, I wasn't on board at first, but I kind of can't argue it anymore these like stickers so this is just a sticker it's a vinyl sticker that like as a breeder right so you're there you're bagging up a snake usually we write on the bag or we don't write anything and we throw the snake in the bed you know in the box and it goes and then somebody gets it like how many times have you looked at a snake and been like crap when were you born and you were het for uh that <laughs> you came from yep. uh, name? yeah this you can write all that stuff on there as the breeder all the information is on here and then you take this and slap it on the bag, throw the snake in it. And then when the person gets it, they have that sticker. They can pull it off and put it on their tub, put it in their records, whatever they want. Um, and <laughs> Erica tested those stickers and their durability. 
by slapping them on the backs of our kids while they ran around last week outside. The <laughs> like, they dove in the pool with the sticker on and it didn't come off. So we're pretty sure your snake can keep the bag and you'll be good. That video oh, needs yeah. to be on YouTube. Beating <laughs> up kids with vinyl stickers. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, she just, she was like, all right, girls. And she patted them on the back as they walked out the door and none of them knew the whole day they had stickers on their back. Um, That's but awesome. back all sweaty and wet and covered in crap. And they got rained on and like, we're like, man, this is really good testing. <laughs> came off, so that was cool. Um, That's awesome. I love that. Anybody who shows up and buys a bulb, well, the first, until supplies run out, which is the first 200 people, get one of these. So a friend of mine uh, made these with us. They're propagation stations. So if you are keep live plants, you can cut off clippings of your favorite plant. You can grow them on your desk. And then when it's ready to go, you throw it in your tank. You take the clipping off something else, stick it in the tube. Just something. That's cool. Yeah, just something cool. And it was done by Maz's Designs, which is another um, local woman-owned company. And I don't know if I said that, but VivTech is actually owned by Erica. So this is a woman-owned business as well. Hey. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, and that's, well, that's a big thing. Like, misogyny in the hobby is pisses me off more than almost anything. Because, like, some of the most intelligent, badass people in this hobby are women that, pe- that most guys won't even look them in the eyes when they go I've seen people walk past Tracy Barker to talk to Dave. Like, uh, and like uh, Dave doesn't know crap about his snakes. She does. Like, <laughs> he just knows stuff about crap in the wild. Like, <laughs> like, I love David Tracy, but I wouldn't. Tracy Barker talks. Everyone shut up and just watch. Just listen. Just yeah. listen. Literally. Yeah, so like seeing that kind of crap just kills me. So Erica's even looking at like making shirts that are, say like I'm hot and I know I know my shit when it comes to reptiles, and then just being on the you know Viv Tech shirt. And I'm like, you know what? Like part, part, the corporate side of me, like being in the corporate side for so long, I'm like, that's let's not do that. You know, like <laughs> Cheerio cereal box, we're not going to do that. You know what? We're not going to mix up the hobby and change things if we let that crap just keep happening. Go to town. True. Do whatever you got to do. True. Yeah. You know, Hell absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if we can, if our, if one of our largest reptile expos can consistently have some, some idiot dressed up in a T-Rex blow up suit running around, scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm like, man. Yeah. That's, that's what we need. But like, there's, like I said, like there's so many badass women out there and I hope that they get their time to shine. And it's not just girls that like crested geckos. You know, like it's there's such badass people out there, and it's yeah, between that misogyny and the gatekeeping, and just the the idea of like the old old school OG keepers, and they know everything, but they still build a wooden box outside in Florida, and that's how they keep things. It's also if you live in Florida and you say that you breed animals, but all your animals live outside in cages, you don't breed crap. You're a farmer. Don't breed shit. Yeah. (laughs) If I breed alligators in my basement in Chicago, I'm God to you. If you do it in their, in their, literally in their habitat in Florida because you put a fence around the Everglades and then they cracked out the eggs in the pile they were gonna anyway, and then you collected them because you happen to live there, you're not a, you're not a breeder. You're just basically the same. Th- you're doing the same farming they do in Indo. There's no different much. than the farms in Indo to doing that. Oh, that's great. Oh my god, that's fucking awesome. Sorry, <laughs> right, that was my. I'm ready to hear about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude that's yeah, crazy i mean totally like if you're there dude you have your look your your backyard is the perfect habitat use it 
Hell yeah, you Yeah, do. oh yeah, 100%. Don't go walking around swinging your energy like, hey, I brought hey. this outside. Yeah, Literally, look what I did. Of its habitat. Yeah. Like, that's oh, not as yeah. impressive as if you did it in Canada. Like, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. In Florida is that impressive. True. Sorry, guys. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, I, love, I love it. I love the Daytona show because of the diversity down there. But I also I do. Keep your ass out of it. <laughs> but I do also. I, I love the diversity and how people can keep stuff and the cool crap down there. But I do also love it when people like. like there's some modest people down there that are like, I just feed them. It's really easy. It's Florida. Yep. Like, and those guys, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. High five, dude. You're still doing something cool. You still takes. You still have to know your stuff. You're, you're fighting off raccoons to not eat your turtle eggs. Like, like <laughs> this isn't nothing. It's not easy. Yeah. Farming, not, farming ain't easy, but it's yeah, farming. But it's farming. <laughs> yeah, like you're not cycling a habitat to mimic an island in the South Pacific and it's a box this big because everywhere around you is negative 48. Like, <laughs> that's, dude, dude, that's, that's impressive. Like that, dude, that's the guy you're like, all right, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. I keep iguanas outside in Florida. You mean like the wild ones that live outside in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like your cage and that looks like a healthy animal, but it's cooler if you did it in Duluth, Minnesota. (laughs) Legit. 100%. (laughs) Okay. Well, dude, we're kind of winding down our time here. Um, We have one question that we ask everyone. It's like our our closing question uh, to kind of put it all to a head. And that question is right now in the hobby and in the world of reptiles, be it something that you're doing, something that you saw somebody else do, um, something you saw online, what has got you excited for the hobby right now? That's a good question. Like, I'll be honest, and not to like toot our horn, but Vivek is one of the bigger things that's gotten me excited, period. Even if it wasn't me doing this, I think the stuff we're doing is going to be, it's going to change the hobby. But outside of that, um, man, there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff. I like what you were talking earlier. I like seeing the trend of people starting to see their animals as more than a collection and more of a collective of animals that you have. And it's not just like, it's not, they're not cards anymore. Now it's, like I said, the fact that we put up UV bulbs and I got anyone that mentioned ball pythons is insane to me. But that's just to me proves we're on the right path because they still totally use UV light and they don't all have to live in drawers. Like seeing that stuff is cool to me. I love it. I love seeing it. And that's, that's what gives me the most hope for the hobby. Now, the only way this could get better is if everybody that was that adamant about reptile care was also that adamant about donating to US Ark and keeping the ability to keep those animals so that that wasn't just something we remembered when we're old men. Legit. True. 100%. That's Hell the yeah. only way this hobby could like totally knock me to my knees and make me just cry tears of joy is if we hit that point where it's US Ark is not it's not a thing you you talk to you tell people it's something that you just expect it's like you just expect oh yeah you came to the show you're a us arc member you know about it. that's how it should be like it should 100%. be like what's us arc it should be like what what that's like saying yeah. that's how it should be a hundred percent hell yeah i agree completely that's awesome man absolutely so Sweet. So if people want to find out more about you, uh, VivTech, the things that you guys are doing, where should they follow you? 
Uh, uh, everything short of smoke signals. I'm pretty sure you can find the two of us if you're on any social media. But <laughs> but uh, VivTech Products on, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, they can find me and Erica on Facebook and Instagram. We're all over the place. Um, and then VivTechProducts.com is the website. Right now, it's just a page with our logo, which should have a countdown till Saturday that may have gotten mixed up, but it'll be back on there. And I know it sucks. No, I don't have all the information, you guys, everybody that wants to hear about every single thing that this bulb does. It's behind that curtain that opens on the 19th. I promise it's there. I promise there's cool stuff. You have to wait for it. That's all I can say. But no, that's, uh, yeah, you find us VivTechProducts.com. Yeah, shoot me some smoke signals, signals, text messages. I think I'm on Skype. Like, emails. It's like <laughs> emails. Like, yeah, it's not hard to find me. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Dude, thank, so, you, thank so you so much, much for, for coming on, time, man. Dude, yeah, we appreciate it. Guys. I didn't thank you and every everybody over here who's like, dude, he's everywhere. I get it, and I apologize and thank you for listening to my dumbass over and over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. I do. I really do. I really appreciate all the love and the support that the community is giving me and Erica and, the, and what we're doing. And and I'm really hoping that this can be something where we all look back and just go, remember how it used to be? Like, we did it. We got there. Like, hell yeah, that's it's it. happening. I don't fail. I don't do things if I don't think I can be successful. And this is something that I have a lot of stock in. So I'm pretty excited to see where it takes us. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Dude, we're going to have to do a follow-up after you've been doing this for a little bit and how the premiere goes. I really want to hear yes. more. So got to do this again sooner well, watch, than later. Watch our Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure we'll be doing lives from the show. So. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, guys. Take care. Boom. Hell yeah. That was great. That was great, man. Ryan is absolutely wonderful. So uh, next week we get to do this in real life in person. So we'll be back to our normal scheduled programming. And I'm still away until Thursday. So the audio only version of this will be up on Friday this week. Um, so hang tight. So that means if you're going to share this or tell people to check it out, they've got to come to YouTube unless YouTube, they check it out here. on Friday and then it'll be available everywhere. So that's it, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya.